Well, good evening. Welcome to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Always a special event here at Emmanuel. For those of you who are here and visiting and tuning in via Facebook Live to the live stream, and you do not know me, my name is Jim DiBiasso. I am the associate pastor here at Emmanuel, and I'm filling in tonight. So the Philadelphia Eagles are not the only team whose backup is taking the field tonight. <laughs> Our senior pastor, Daniel Nelms, and his wife, Alex, and several of their children have been sick this week, unfortunately. They're on the men, but he thought it best for him to stay home this evening. So, guys, if you're watching, we love you, we miss you, we wish you were here. But praise the Lord. We've come together tonight to celebrate one of the two most important events in human history. While many of our Christmas traditions are born out of legend and cultural practices, the celebration of the birth of Jesus is not. It's based on fact, on God's word. It's not just another nice story to tell our children or our grandchildren, but it is the glorious account of the incarnation, namely God becoming man. Jesus, God the Son, taking on human flesh as a baby born in the stable in Bethlehem. In keeping with the perfect will and plan of God from all eternity to ultimately redeem mankind. Over the past four weeks of Advent, Pastor Daniel has taken us through sermons that have looked at the way various people in the Christmas story responded to the birth of Jesus. We've looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, and the forerunner of his ministry when he became an adult. We've looked at Joseph, the man that God appointed to be the earthly father of Jesus. And we've looked at Mary, the one God chose to conceive by the Holy Spirit, the Messiah. And tonight we're turning to Matthew chapter 2, the first of the four Gospels, and verses 1 through 12, to look at yet some other principal figures in the Christmas story. Listen as I read Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east. They came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him, with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Sometimes factual, historical accounts somehow get transformed in the telling. For instance, we all know and have heard about St. Nicholas, But many of us don't know that he was actually a person who lived in the 3rd and 4th centuries A.D. in what is now modern-day Turkey. And he did great works, good works. And ultimately, he became the legend of Santa Claus. The story which we read in Matthew chapter 2 has sort of evolved in the early centuries of the church and, and times past that into something a little more different than what we read in scripture. For instance, we sing the carol, We Three Kings. And it's a beautiful song, but there is some legend in the title and in the first line because the number of the wise men is never mentioned in our passage of scripture. It may have been two, it may have been three, it may have been more. It became three wise men and they even received names at some point probably because of the three gifts that they brought, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. The wise men were probably not kings, as the song supposes, but magi who studied the stars. They were philosophers, priests. They studied the medical arts, the nativities that we put up. Most often depict the magi at the stable, But in fact, it was most likely many weeks or even many months before their or after their departure that they arrived to find the Christ child. So there is some element of legend surrounding these mysterious figures from the East, but certainly what is true, what we do know, what we can discover in studying this passage from Matthew and in studying the scripture gives us valuable insight without any embellishment at all regarding the Magi. They stand as important figures in the Christmas story, in the story of Jesus' birth. Verse 1 of Matthew 2 says that they came to Jerusalem from the east. That's a broad term, the east. We can't be certain exactly where they came from, but it was probably Persia, or Babylon, or somewhere in Arabia. What is significant here is that they were not Jews, but Gentiles. Gentiles who were seeking the king of the Jews. How can this be? They saw the star, yes, but how did they make the connection to Jesus? Well, for one thing, God 
is the God of all the earth. Jesus' birth was the fulfillment of thousands of years of Old Testament Jewish prophecy, but some of those messianic prophecies speak of his lordship not only over the Jews, but over the Gentiles as well. To give a couple of examples, from Genesis 49.10, going all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the scepter will not depart from Judah, the tribe through whom Jesus came nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he, the Messiah, to whom it belongs, shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. The nations, all the world. In that day, the root of Jesse, another term referring to the Messiah, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Isaiah eleven ten. These magi were the very first among the Gentiles to worship the king. Those who were not a part of the covenant people of Israel were led by the star that God had placed in the heavens that guided them to the Christ child. How would these magi know the significance of the one whom they were seeking? Interestingly, two Roman historians wrote about commonly held beliefs among the Jews as well as the people of the East, that a ruler would come forth from Judea. One named Tacitus wrote, the Jews firmly believed that their ancient scriptures quoted by their priests contained a prophecy of how at a certain time when the East was powerful, a ruler would come forth from Judea and he would secure a universal empire. Another early historian, Suetonius, wrote these words, an old and well-established belief was held all over the Orient that one would arise from Judea who would establish a government over all men. So the appearance of that new star would have heralded in the minds of these magi a significant event. It's likely that they were familiar with the Hebrew scriptures assuming they were from Persia or Babylon, because the nation of Israel divided hundreds of years before into a northern and southern kingdom, and eventually in 722 B.C. and then 586 B.C., first the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom went into captivity to Assyria and then to Babylon, where these magi came from. Daniel, the prophet, and others among God's people who were part of that captivity would have likely passed on the knowledge of the prophecies of the Old Testament to the non-Jews in those regions. These wise men may have looked at a prophecy which says that a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will arise out of Israel, and they may have concluded that the star in the heavens and the star in that prophecy, which refers to the Messiah, were definitely connected. So they knew, as we here tonight know, that this child's birth was anything but ordinary. On the surface, it looked ordinary, to say the very least. In every sense, a young man and woman of little stature have a baby in a stable, in Bethlehem, but in that humble beginning and beneath the surface, Yahweh, God, was at work. The star they followed was indeed a sign 
in the heavens of a miracle on earth. And these wise men were among the first to know and pay homage to the significance of what happened in Bethlehem. Look at what they do. These are men who at best know of the prophecies concerning the Messiah, but when they see that star, they set off on a course to find and worship this new king, journeying perhaps from hundreds of miles away. Bible commentator Matthew Henry wrote this, those who live at the greatest distance from the means of grace often use most diligence and learn to know the most of Christ and his salvation. These men were men who were on a mission. From the time they saw the star in the heavens, they determined that nothing would stop them from finding the child king. Traveling as they did for many weeks or months from their home to Jerusalem was a risky endeavor. They would have been in danger of bandits, wild animals and the elements, not to mention the rough terrain that they had to travel across. Then they were in danger of having defied the tyrant Herod, who, as we see later in this chapter in Matthew chapter 2, carried out the heinous crime of killing innocent children in an attempt to destroy the Christ child. So there were many dangers for the Magi, but nothing stopped them from finding Jesus. Verses 9 and 10 of our passage say that after seeing Herod, the Magi went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose back in their home went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. One translation says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Why? Because the star had led them once again, as it did at the first, on the final leg of their journey to Jesus. There at the place where the child was, they bowed down and worshipped him and offered their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's much speculation of the deeper significance of these gifts, and I'll leave that for you to explore, but suffice to say that they were gifts of great value and probably were used by Mary and Joseph to travel to Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod. The journey of the Magi was full of danger, but it was worth the risk because they found the Messiah. God protected them on their journey. It reminds me of the lyrics to what is perhaps the best-known hymn in the world, Amazing Grace, and one verse says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. It is grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace, God's grace, will lead me home. We are, each of us, on a journey in life. For most of us here tonight, I would think that journey has led to a most significant stopping point along the way. We, 
like the Magi have found Jesus. More correctly, he's found us, leading us to the place where we recognize him as our Lord and Savior. Our journey isn't over, but it will ever be different. Our lives have been changed. Some of you here tonight or watching tonight may still be searching. You may be thinking, I need a sign. I need a star in the heavens to convince me. Well, I would direct your attention to the skies tonight. If they're clear on this cold winter night, you will get just a glimpse of the billions of stars and galaxies that God has put in place. For the psalmist wrote, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament wrote, anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And God said through the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you search for me or seek me with all your heart. I hope that on this Christmas Eve that you will seek him. Seek the Christ who came to give you and me eternal life. The babe of Bethlehem would ultimately, as the perfect sacrifice, die for our sins and rise again on the third day to give us eternal life with him if we put our faith in him the light of the world. Earlier I mentioned the prophecy from Numbers 24:17, figuratively speaking about the Messiah. A star will come out of Jacob, the star of Bethlehem, pointed to the star of Jacob, namely Jesus. He is a star that shines in the darkness. I'll call Will and Rosa forward. The Donatos are going to light their lighters and in turn light the candles which you picked up on your way in. They will light their light from that one candle in the center of the Advent wreath which represents Christ, the true light that came into the world. John 1.14, says, He is the hope of the nations. He's your hope and peace if you know him. As we light these candles, in the darkness of the sanctuary, the light that comes from the Christ candle will in a few moments illuminate this room. As they pass the light to you and you passed your light to another. Together, 
we celebrate the light. Together, we are, as Jesus said, the light of the world. Together, as we stand, let us sing our praise to that babe in Bethlehem who is no longer a babe, but a resurrected and glorious Christ. Let us praise him tonight.